Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders, with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding, whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. This week I had the pleasure of sitting down with Dr Zoe Hudson who is a menopause specialist and works to help those experiencing menopause navigate it in a compassionate and caring way understanding that it is a journey and that things will change but to be seen as a positive rather than a negative. We speak a lot about the link between menopause and disordered eating and how people that will experience the menopause have probably put a lot of pressure on themselves to meet expectations throughout their lives and actually when it comes to the menopause it can be difficult to adjust that and a lot of the similarities that we see in people with eating disorder recovery we can see in people experiencing the menopause and also a lot of the feelings of wanting to control food and diet and body can resurface during the menopause so we speak about how Zoe supports people in navigating that and to find compassion for themselves during what is a big change but doesn't need to be met with the stigma and the shame that it is met with and how we can support individuals in embracing the change rather than being worried about what's going to happen. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm actually so excited to chat to you because in my job, um, we have been doing a lot of stuff around menopause and my mum is also going through menopause. Uh, so I feel like over the past few months, I've learned a lot more since we yes. spoke before. Um, but I guess I just wanted to start the podcast with, I'm assuming most people will be listening to this episode because either a loved one or themselves are going through the menopause and potentially they've got difficulties with eating. But if people are listening and they're like, what the hell? Like, I've never heard mm-hmm. of menopause before. Can you tell us what the menopause is? So menopause itself, we're really, really lazy um, because menopause itself is actually what's called a retrospective diagnosis. So if you're not okay. on any hormones, um, <clears throat> it's a year... very excuse me it's a year after your last period so menopause is just that day everything after that is post-menopause and then before that is perimenopause and then pre-menopause but instead of saying pre-menopause perimenopause menopause post-menopause we call the whole thing menopause wow so the menopause is literally the one day of like that was your last period yes wow yes and i think i've learned something new already there we go and i think we're one of the things we're still nowhere near standardizing knowledge based from healthcare professionals from people mm-hmm. going through menopause is perimenopause mm-hmm. so that can last on average 4 years before menopause but you're still if you're cycling you're still cycling so again you can be having and it's it's often the tidal wave time so a lot of people have worse symptoms before the menopause in the lead up to menopause and then when the hormones level off that can actually be a lot easier for a lot of people right and again the average age of menopause in the UK is 51 but one in 20 will become menopausal between 40 and 45 so their perimenopause will could start four years before that one in 100 below 40 one in a thousand below 30 and some people right on the other end never start their periods so start menopause very, very early. So mm-hmm. I think this is why um, it's, I mean, it is, it's on the radar at the moment, which is great, but we're still seeing a lot of people that aren't on social media, um, don't have any workplace support and are still really scared and really wondering what on earth is happening to them. Mm-hmm. So I think until we have that standardized knowledge, oh. everyone will keep shouting loudly mm-hmm. waving the flag and I'll link you to um a brilliant booklet that Diane Dansbrink from Menopause Support um it only mm-hmm. came out about a month ago so if I send you the email link for that again yeah, that'd be brilliant. Um, thank you it's really really good and loads of useful information 
So yes, that's in a in a nutshell. In a nutshell, yeah. <laughs> that sounds nutshell. great. And and it's funny, well, it's not funny, but it's like there's so many questions to have about menopause and like, you know, we obviously are speaking about menopause today, but we're linking it to just other eating. You could do like a whole well, I bet you could make a podcast about mm. menopause. So it's difficult to There are many. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. To put it into one small thing. But I guess my first question is so menopause um Mm -hmm. what we're probably most familiar with is the one day like the last day of your period Mm -hmm. so how how would somebody know when they're going through if we do perimenopause first Mm -hmm. and then move on to postmenopause what how would somebody know that they're going through perimenopause so what you're looking out for is a um if you're not on any hormones is a change in cycle um so it can be that your cycle length changes so you can have shorter cycles longer cycles irregular cycles they can become heavier lighter but they change so that's one of the clues that things can be happening and then there are lots and lots of symptom checkers out there and you can see why i think traditionally um all of the focus was on hot flushes and sweats um but there are so many symptoms and I think what you're looking for is symptoms coming in clusters. So there's lots of psychological symptoms, so anxiety, low mood, mood swings. Um, You've got receptors, hormone receptors absolutely everywhere. And I think once you realise that, some of the more bizarre symptoms make sense. Things like dry mouth, dry eyes, Mm -hmm. um, burning burning mouth, gums receding, tinnitus, joint pain, skin changes, hair changes, palpitations, gut changes, um, vulvovaginal bladder changes. So you can get this strange itching at night called formication. And I think once you start to, so again, it's looking at changes and just making a note. And are these, often these changes will be cyclical to begin with. So people can find that if they've had a history of things like PMS, it will become longer throughout the migraines are one as well that quite commonly will become worse and they can be on a set. So it's looking at changes and just, I think just making a note of them. There's lots of symptom trackers out there that you can keep a note of these things. So it's just changes. And then you're sort of starting to look at, are these impacting on my health and well-being? And is it time that I need to dig? Well, ideally you'd, you'd, have what I would love and what seems to be happening more is you'd have a sort of a generational handholding and mm-hmm. support to say yes I think this so a lot of people I see it has been people around them that have said I think you could be perimenopausal right because again when it's yourself I think we are very very good at saying well this is due to what's going on in my life or this is due to that and it's often quite hard to be objective and this is where keeping an eye on close people close to you, even work mm. colleagues and saying you, you seem to have changed. Um, irritability and rage is a very common symptom. So that can often be one that that sort of um, triggers a conversation. But it's, I think you've changed. What's your cycle doing? And then, of course, if you're on um, think things like hormonal contraceptives, if you have things like a Mirena, for example, you might not be having a cycle. So in that case, it's again, it's just looking, uh, am I getting symptoms? Are they becoming more prevalent? Could this be? So it's, I think it's, 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 as I say, it can be, we call it an insidious creep. So the symptoms can gradually build. And it's, it's, again, it's looking at, well, where was I two years ago? Was I having any of these symptoms? Some of these symptoms, were they problematic? So it's, it's trying to put it all together, but I think there are lots and lots of symptom checkers out there to start to keep a, a little log of these. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think what you were saying about like other people noticing as well, like particularly with my mum, I remember her just being like, oh, you know, it's not that bad. I'll go to the doctor when it gets mm-hmm. a bit worse. And then it's like, well, you know, these symptoms have been lasting quite a while. Mm-hmm. And like you say, they're they are impacting all of us not not just you as well um but I wanted to ask you a question about like you know if somebody's on hormonal therapy so that they're not getting Mm -hmm. a period how do they know when they've reached the menopause if if the menopause is not having a period well that's the thing as well you have to track the other symptoms um Mm -hmm. so again some people um on the combined contraceptive pill you know when you have that week's break they'll start to notice symptoms coming in at that time Mm -hmm. If they're on the mini pill, they may have, as I say, they might not be having periods. Um, the Mirena, they might not be having periods, but they, they start to sort of track these other symptoms that are coming along. 
Sure. So I'd say right. you wouldn't come off your, if you're using those for contraception, you wouldn't come off them to see what was happening. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we ask you to, if you're, um, again, because the younger you are, the, I would say the more important it is to make an accurate diagnosis. So sometimes with that, we'd ask you to come off for six weeks, see what the underlying cycle is doing mm-hmm. and do blood tests to check that. But again, it's it's age dependent. So over 45, we know the guidelines are bloods don't aren't necessary to make a diagnosis. Right. 40 to 45 can be considered and under 40. It's it's again, we should be getting a diagnosis through blood tests. Mm-hmm. So okay. it's, a, it's a bit of a, as I say, it's, it's, this is why it's so individualized um, mm-hmm. in symptoms and how it presents. Um, but I think there are sort of common themes and threads. Oh. And we, you're right. We just need to keep an eye out on on everybody yeah. around us. Yeah, I guess that's what makes it so difficult is that it is so variable from one individual mm. to another. And then I guess just move into the postmenopause. So it is postmenopause literally like from when you have your last period, so that's the menopause, to then basically when you die? Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and are there specific symptoms there or after that do things calm down? So there's a cohort of people that will have sort of problematic symptoms for a while. And then there's another cohort that the symptoms will gradually settle down. Mm-hmm. But there's a, as I say, there's some people that will continue to have persistent troublesome symptoms. Mm-hmm. So I've seen people that have had flushes keeping them up at night for 20, 30 years. So that's not everybody. Mm-hmm. And again, some people it will, they'll, they'll, and the counter side to that is some people who've had really problematic hormonal symptoms things like pmdd so premenstrual dysphoric disorder can actually feel quite a relief when all of that settles down and it flatlines yeah. it's sort of oh finally i'm not ruled by my hormones mm-hmm. um so again it's it's very variable um and this is what so there's there's again you'll see the an older generation will say i sailed through mine i think there's selective memory going on there as well um and again, that generation might not have had quite the same pressures that this generation does mm-hmm. to be working, looking after everybody. Yeah. Um, so it's I think I would always say be very respectful of someone else's experience, um, because, again, even if you are not having a tough time, somebody else might might be. Yeah. And I think this is the thing, isn't it, with all of these things with the eating with with everything it might not show on the surface but it's it comes down to just being kind and respectful yeah absolutely it is funny what you well, it's not funny but what you said about people like the older generation saying I sailed here I know so many people have said that to my mum and she's just like well I'm not sailing through it so that's really mm. really not very helpful to hear um but I guess on the topic of the eating difficulties what sort of have you seen um in you know people that you've supported with the menopause kind of the development of eating difficulties has that been something that is commonly developed like during perimenopause and then kind of persisting then or has it been something that people have already had and the menopause has made it worse or is that pretty variable as well I think I mean the data as we've discussed before is is really really poor on this Mm. um so I think perimenopause and menopause can tend to amplify vulnerabilities I would say Mm. so you'll see people who've had a history of anxiety and then it's settled and then perimenopause the anxiety comes back again but feels a bit different and I think the there's a lot of vulnerability in perimenopause um, because again your hormones are so potent and so powerful that a lot of people can really feel that that sort of carefully controlled hamster wheel of busyness is falling out of their grasp mm-hmm. that they're not able to keep all the juggling balls you've got a lot of physiological changes going on as well so it is very common for sort of weight to start to accumulate around the middle um and on the the hips and the thighs now there's various theories around that that when your ovarian estrogen is dropping down your body tries to lay down fat and fat has another estrogen called estrone, but it's not very potent, so it doesn't really do the job. The other things that you can find is sleep is very commonly disrupted, and that has an impact on metabolism and hunger hormones. Anxiety, cortisol, adrenaline can be 
going through the roof and again that can have an impact um so there's there's very often a change in shape and if you have a predisposition or that has been something that has been at the forefront again you can see why that would start to cause anxiety and you can hear the slight sort of frantic tones with some people will hrt cause me to gain weight there isn't any data that it does but perimenopause can change your metabolism and cause you to gain weight and i think again i mean there's so many threads and nuances to this and that goes all the way back doesn't it to i would say when to childhood to when we are getting so many messages about shape and nutrition and I think we're finally finally making a bit of a breakthrough with that um that the focus is moving away from thinness being the goal and strength being the goal and I really hope that this momentum goes forward Mm. because this should be things that we're learning in our teenage years Mm. so it's such a big picture yeah and and I can understand why oh I think whether or not you've got a predisposition to Mm -hmm. kind of eating difficulties body image struggles you know there's so much pressure put on Mm -hmm. I think you know historically on women for the way that they Mm -hmm. looked I would argue now it's pretty equal for men and women Mm -hmm. um but there is so much pressure and that doesn't go you know I think from observing my mum and her friends and I'm being very anecdotal because I keep referring Mm -hmm. to my mum but you know they have become so much more confident in themselves as they've grown up and um gone older and kind of you know less take take less bullshit from people and you know I'll do what I want to do now however I remember distinctly like you just said when my mum started thinking that she was experiencing um pre-menopausal symptoms her first thing was I don't want to go on HRT because it'll make me gain weight. And mm. and that was like her biggest thing. And I was like, you're going through all of these symptoms, mm. um, but you're willing to kind of not have support with those symptoms because the weight gain is the biggest concern. And I think that showed me how much of a stigma and how much of a pressure there is on women to look a certain way and to, you know, be able to achieve certain things. And that for me is another thing that I've definitely noticed in the workplace um, in terms of my colleagues kind of of uh, women that are at sort of the age of experiencing the menopause of being like, oh, you know, I'm really sorry, I've got brain fog or like my memory's mm-hmm. just, and they'll take the mick out of themselves. And I've said to quite a few of them, like, please don't feel like you have to, you know, answer for yourself or whatever. If you need support with something, then please, like, I'm happy to mm-hmm. help, but don't kind of feel like you've got to take the mick out of yourself because of what you're experiencing. Because one, you know, you can't help it. Like you're not doing it on purpose, but two, other people experiencing a similar thing will then kind of take on that thing for themselves and they'll feel judgment and embarrassment about their symptoms um but I think it's it is one of those things that kind of there's still so much misunderstanding within society of what actually happens to a woman um and how the, the impact that that has on them and then how we sort of um respond to it as well Just coming back to that, that sort of strength on the other side, this is Mm. something that is we see over and over again. So this is the whole thing that that the early stages and other, I mean, other conditions, things like surgical menopause, medical menopause, where you have hormones and then don't have hormones can be absolutely catastrophic. But on the other side, we've done some lovely talks recently and lots of them have had almost all of the generations. And so there have been people that are nowhere near perimenopause people that are in perimenopause and then you'll find a few people that I will say are out of the other side and they've said exactly that that you can again we you you can we know that you can have problems with verbal memory so this is where the brain fog and the word finding can come through but that is it's a trans it's transient it doesn't stay but when you are again when you it feels as though so your sleep is disrupted you don't know who you are your shape is changing and then your work is changing it can just feel you can absolutely devastating and this is where we need so what she was saying um this was a group of barristers and she said you will get through this but what we need to do is be looking out for each other and she quite rightly said there's data to show that your performance in general 
isn't affected. Hmm. So I think because we often try and overachieve to justify mm. our sheer existence, then if it drops down by 20%, you're still achieving. Mm-hmm. But it was that thing of there should be an allowance to say to a colleague, could you just read this through for me and check it? Because mm. I've, I've got brain fog at the moment. Yeah. And doing that thing and then their turn will come. And if we could get things moving in that direction, how much more comfortable would we be and then if you didn't have that shame around it that's likely to also help with the brain fog yeah yeah and I think um one thing I've heard as well is you know the the changes in mood and things like that and Mm -hmm. I think that very naturally if if you are somebody that gets a lot from their work or whatever you do in life and then all of a sudden that's being affected that's naturally going to affect your mood because you're going to think oh god I can't do what I used to do Mm -hmm. um and that that's quite scary and I think that links for for me personally um when I'm thinking about eating disorders as well it links in well of sort of of being in a very vulnerable state of you know things are out of control you you can't control what your body looks like um and the changes that happen in no matter how hard maybe so you're trying to do mm. so you can't control your sleep you can't control the emotions that you're feeling you can't control how you're performing at work and all of a sudden it's like okay what is the one thing I can control you know that's yeah. when you then turn to the eating disorder so I feel like it's a you know a really vulnerable time but I just don't think that the recognition of that is there because we're still so focused on eating disorders being a teenage girl problem yeah and we've I mean we've spoken before and again the word shame echoes through so much of menopause and it really really enrages me so many things because again things like eating disorders disordered eating nobody sets out to say I'd like to do that Mm -hmm. And it's very often it's an expression of pain, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. And again, with so many of these things, I mean, I see people who are drinking more than they should and and all or, or over-exercising, just, just trying to get some sort of calm and control back in this tornado. Um, and again, it's if they had some support and just mechanisms to say, right, okay, this is this is a normal physiological stage it can be really tough but it's likely that you will get through it let's put some structure in because again this is the thing and it's very difficult to see when you're out of the other side a lot of people will accept a change in body shape once they're they're through and they realize there's this beautiful freedom about postmenopause with a lot of people um, and they, as you said, the filter goes and they no longer care so much about what others think of them. And they do what they want and they say what they want and they wear what, wear what they want. Now, of course, along that side, we want people to be the, be healthy. So we're looking at very often symptom control and future health. And the other thing as well is when you're saying, as I say, you resort back to tactics that have worked for you in the past, they're probably not going to work in the same way in perimenopause because of your physiology. So that's another thing of I can't even do this mm-hmm. because it's it's not working anymore. So I see lots of people that have always done sort of hit training and all these really high intensity exercise things. And they come and say, I'm doing all of these things and I'm just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's, it's because very often at that, that stage, your body is just crying out for a bit of a rest. And it needs a different tactic to, and we're we're looking at, as I say, building muscle. And so from a medical point of view, in a way, I'm asking people to change shape. Mm -hmm. And that I can imagine is quite terrifying. Mm -hmm. Because it's look for your bones and your heart health and all these things. I want you to be building muscle. I want you to get strong. We've got to shed a lot of ideas about that. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I'm saying this very naively. um, And I think this actually demonstrates to me how much we speak about eating disorders in younger people as opposed to older Mm -hmm. people. And obviously, like the issues that, you know, when we talk about um, eating disorders in younger people, we talk about things like bone health, we talk about, you know, in women, we talk about Mm -hmm. losing a period and things like that. Um, But obviously, with the 
with the bone health side of things mm-hmm. you you are only building your peak bone mass you know that's only up until like your mid to late 20s mm. and then it's kind of well you sadly it kind of just goes down from there and if you've gone through the menopause you've already not got a period um mm-hmm. so that's not going to be something that you would experience so are there are there different or specific things to kind of perimenopause menopause postmenopause eating disorder symptoms that are kind of more prominent no so we know that sort of postmenopause again you can start to lose two percent of your bone density per year um for about 10 years so one of the things that i'm picking up a lot i would say is people who in their teens and 20s weren't having periods and that can be from disordered eating or over exercising and they never told anybody and again the data is poor but it looks as though if you've i mean again somebody coming into that now you would say if you were in your teens and 20s and missed periods for three or four months to see your GP because we need to know why that's happening. But lots of these these people did never went to their GP either because a lot of them just said, I was just really pleased not to be having a period. And there, there wasn't any awareness of what could be happening bone health wise. So not only are we looking at bone health now, we're looking at previous bone health and has that had an impact? Has there been chance for recovery? And it's really complicated um, because it, uh, to, to some extent, it looks as though it depends on your rate of recovery and sustained recovery. Because obviously we're looking at if there are intervals and particularly even things like over-exercising, it even depends on the exercise that you were doing. Mm-hmm. So things like netball, where it's variable movements, have a better outcome than things like running, which is the same movement. So right can see why it's going to be tricky to try and work out but again I would say the the very low threshold for bone density imaging if there's been a sustained period of time when you were laying down your bone density and now you're coming to another vulnerable time for bone density mm-hmm. maybe we need to have a look back and, and also add that into the equation mm-hmm. yeah. so I think with um again this is the so we know that bones like hard work um they like resistance exercise don't they and this is again where we're sort of trying to get people to to change and I think again we see lots of people um and it's just trying to and, and I know it's really really difficult with when you've had that disordered eating blueprint but trying to look at each things that you're putting into your body these are the nutrients that I really need now we need more protein going through menopause we need that sort of um so eating the rainbow for the keep the microbiome healthy we know that we're getting more and more information about that now so it's instead of that and again another huge shift to ask people to do instead of that sort of calorie counting to look Mm -hmm. at can I have 20 different varieties of fruits and vegetables can I add the grains in? Have I got the mm-hmm. vitamin D? Have I got the calcium going in there? So this is all at a really vulnerable time. And I know I'm asking people to look at some really, really deep, deeply held beliefs and values and change it all mm-hmm. and ditch it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the hard thing, isn't it? If you've been eating in a certain pattern for your Mm. whole life or exercising a certain way, to then be told you need to change that and Mm. the changes that you're going to make. Yeah, you've got all of this other change going on as well. Yeah, and it's no longer going to align with your, you know, let's say you have had a drive for a thin body. Mm. It's no longer going to align with that because you now need to prioritise your health. Mm. I'm making an assumption here, but I'm going to assume that somebody that's been engaging in dieting and uh, excessive exercise for the whole life, their health has maybe not been the priority. Um, So I can imagine that shift is really difficult. And Mm. also just thinking out loud here when I speak, but um, for for what you're saying to me sounds really like looking after yourself. And as somebody Mm. that was putting themselves on a restricted diet or been excessively exercised, that's not looking after yourself. So it's that shift, isn't it, of your Mm. body's changing, your mood's changing. I'm now asking you to look after yourself after Mm. years of basically putting yourself through hell to look a certain way. You need to change your diet and all of this. And yeah, it sounds 
I can understand why people do then really struggle. And this is why I call it the littles. And I'm very, very aware of how hard this is. And it might not even be food related to begin with. It's asking people to get a journal and note three little changes Mm. they've done for their self-care. And that Mm. can be something like spending 10 minutes giving themselves a hand massage. Mm -hmm. And some people well up even when I mention that. Because even that is such a big step. Mm. And so we we have to go very, very gently. And I, I, I get it. Um, but it's and this is why I ask people to note it down. So there's a visual representation that I am now prioritizing my well-being mm. and my health. Yeah. And then hopefully, hopefully we can start to build on that. And I think Again, I mean, this is what yoga is just talked about endlessly because it's so good at menopause. And again, I think that's it's it's a lot of menopause is about reconnecting to actually listening to our bodies mm-hmm. instead of listening to all of the other noise and what we should be doing, should be doing, should be doing. And our bodies very often have been shouting at us for years. And it's that thing of trusting that it's actually right, which... Yeah. Is, is hard yeah it's and hard. I've just sat here thinking about you know people that I've spoken to with eating disorders and listening and trusting to your body is one of the you hardest. know the things in recovery that you have to do and it's it is very hard to mm. to then do that um but I think so important to do that especially when your body is undergoing so many changes like you say and you know I've had conversations with friends who are really into um sports and Mm. they're kind of um like used to be athletes and now they do it as a hobby but they very much change the energy the exercise that they do Mm. dependent on the stage of their cycle so sometimes they'll be doing yoga sometimes they'll be doing strength training other times they'll be doing HIIT training but they they change that dependent on where their body is in the cycle and also you know their ability to listen to their body and know what it needs to do um but it's hard to do that when particularly when we live in a society where you know you're kind of told that pain is weakness leaving the body and everything has to be hardcore and if you're not sweating when you're working out then what you know Mm. was there even any point in you starting Mm. and it's all hard work isn't it hard work Mm. hard work hard work and a lot of this is a lovely phrase called rebellious rest Mm -hmm. that was the bit that I found the hardest was I had full-on burnout crashed and was just exhausted Mm-hmm. And then just lay there for three months thinking, what's what on earth is my purpose? Mm-hmm. And that comes back to work again, that my entire validity, I think, was tied up in work. Yeah. So it was a huge learning point when I couldn't work. And so, well, what's the point of me then? And mm-hmm. then it's taken time. So it, although it's hard, it teaches you some really, really valuable lessons. Mm-hmm. And I've realized that there is obviously more to me than my work my work is important but it's not my entire self Mm. that was a biggie Mm. and I think that's again I see it a lot um with people who are still trying as I say juggling all of the balls and can't and we're pressured to have the house looking a certain way and present and present and present and appear and I, I love this you get this rebellion that sort of sticks two fingers up to that and says, no, I'm going to do what I want. But that's mm-hmm. that's quite frightening to begin with. Mm-hmm. Even to rest mm-hmm. is frightening for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I think about my mum, I think she's the the perfect person for that situation you know she very much does def- used to define herself by her work and the way that the house was pre- presented mm. and what she did and she'd always be busy and stuff and I'm now so proud of her when I get a text to say I got one yesterday actually saying um oh you know a bit feeling a bit tired feeling a bit rough so I'm just on the sofa with the dog I'm like this mm. is incredible and the mm. fact that she can do that and tell me that she's doing that as well and doesn't feel mm. that like you like you say that shame. shame or that guilt of oh my god I'm I'm sat on the sofa and, and I'm not doing anything and again I know I keep saying this but that's so common in eating disorders as well is that mm. feeling you know 
my personality is engulfed by my eating disorder or the way that I present myself, the things that I do, like I've got to constantly be doing stuff. I've got Mm -hmm. to constantly be improving. And so I can see why the characteristics of people that find menopause challenging and difficult to navigate would also be people that would be susceptible to the development of an eating disorder because it also it also gives you an identity and it tells you that everything will be better and you'll have a purpose and all of that so it does really feel like the prime opportunity for an eating disorder or disordered eating to step in and say hello I'm here to save the day yeah yeah it's that sort of and again I think there's more and more Going slightly off tangent, but I think they do link together. So there's more and more people that are finding that things like neurodivergence is unmasking mm-hmm. in perimenopause. And again, um, you're looking at there's a seems to be a link between neurodivergence and eating disorders and mm-hmm. looking at dopamine pathways. And a friend of mine does something called um, epigenetic pathways. And you can actually get your genetic pathways and see where you've got susceptibilities Mm-hmm. And you just think it all comes back to dopamine, doesn't it? And reward and learning that what we've been told endlessly about reward mm-hmm. is wrong. Yeah. And I think this is a when your estrogen drops down, you get this quite alarming clarity about the wrongs in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what I think it's it's I mean, it's called the rage. And I think it is. I think it's outrage because you just suddenly mm-hmm. look around and say, I've been fed an absolute pack of lies for all of these years and I've been going along with it and constructing my entire life around this and I'm yeah. exhausted and it was all a load of rubbish no wonder a yeah. bit cross yeah and actually I could have done things my way and enjoyed myself and mm. still you know where is this rule book come from and why is it mm. why do I have to assign to it mm. so this is yeah. you can imagine what your head's doing with all of this um mm. And it says, no wonder we get sort of mood swings. It's like, how on earth yeah. is my brain going to cope with all of this sort of almost fresh information and fresh way of seeing things mm. whilst I'm still trying to juggle all the balls? Um, and this is why, again, I see lots of people that need a lot of time to themselves, a lot of quiet time. Um, I love, we get, ask lots of people, again, at the beginning with the littles, to just go and be in green space for that vagal nerve and that really just observing again and quiet um and letting your brain sort of meander through things because it generally will come up with the right answer but i mean i i ask lots of people to go and consider supportive therapy as well because i think you often get lots of things pinging back up that you hadn't thought about and again you can get lots of childhood things so you can see why that would then link back to disordered eating coming oh that worked well, didn't work for you but that that was what I did then I'm going to do and this is all subconscious it's not something I think that people actively choose um I'm going to try that again and then they have that double whammy of probably doesn't work this time mm-hmm. yeah I can imagine that kind of you know going through that and then not kind of having any control and the things that you used to do as a younger person not working would be horrific um Mm. so what sort of when somebody comes to you and they're presenting with issues um maybe disordered eating issues and also going you know experiencing these symptoms what sort of advice do you give or is there any interventions people can kind of have to support that so a lot of people that I see want to discuss hormone replacement therapy. And I was saying perimenopause, it should really be called hormone support therapy because you've still got background hormones. We're just trying to settle some of the tidal waves. And um, I think, again, there's lots of um, misinformation about the risk of breast cancer with hormone replacement therapy. So well, again, the leaflet I'll link to has got a really good guide on where that sits. So that itself is, again, particularly estrogen is really, really potent hormone. And that can have a big impact on things like um, sort of your cortisol, your appetite, your sleep quality, even just going slightly off piste, it can correct your things like joint pains. So I get a lot of people that it's absolutely gone to pot and bearing in mind the clinic that I run I'm going to be seeing the cohort that are likely to be really struggling with symptoms 
So the data is that 25% don't have any symptoms. Now, again, that's debated because it might be that they don't know the symptoms, I suspect. 50% will have some symptoms and 25% will have really problematic symptoms. So this is by, is not everybody. Um, but going back to that earlier thing, I think we need to acknowledge people that are really struggling and be kind. So we will often look, and I consider that HRT is very much a base layer. So just sort of try and smooth some of these turbulent waters. Mm -hmm. Once we've got that right, and that can take some adjustment, it's not a magic wand. I think there's lots of things out there saying I went on to HRT and my life was fabulous. That's that's not the case. So we can start to settle some of these down and then gradually, 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 we start to do a reset. And this is, I would say this is the same for the majority of people I see that somewhere we need to be looking at behaviours that don't serve us anymore. We need to be looking at ideas that don't serve us anymore. We need to be going back and thinking, right, okay, these things have happened to me during my life. I might not have had time, space, energy to process them. Is it a good time now to go back and spend a little time with them and put them to one side and move forwards? Because this is a transition so you're going to come out of this a different person than you go into this so this is get lots of people saying i just want to go back to the old me well that's unlikely to happen you're moving into a new you and very often it's a stronger more confident more connected you so but that takes time it's not going to happen overnight so i think this is as i say we look at that as a base layer and then we're looking at the props I would call them. So what are the things that help the hormone pathways? Well, we want toxins out of the way. So it's looking at, again, if people have been using alcohol, dreadful for menopause, they're really not friends at all. You don't break it down in the same way, exacerbates most of the symptoms, exacerbates your glycemic, your sugar control. So we're looking at, right, can we start to have a little look at that and gradually bring that down to either very low levels or stop smoking? Not so much of an issue these days, but again, if that is on the table, terrible for bones, hearts, all the rest of it. And then we're looking at nutrition. Um, and again, it's that thing of what serves me. So what can I put into my body to really help my hormone pathways and my future health? So a lot of it, again, when you've got this tidal wave, it's also echoed by the sugar balance because your body becomes more insulin resistant. So you can't cope with the fast release sugars in the same way. So we're looking at, right, okay, can we put a nutrition plan in place um, that will sort of stabilize those sugars flying all over the place as well? Again, can we stabilize this microbiome? Because we know that has a big influence on things like serotonin and GABA and um, sugar balance as well. So it's lots of different things. And the biggest one by far is, can I be kind to myself? over and over and over again. That's the one that I think people have the most trouble with, mm -hmm. which is a sad reflection of the world. And this is where we need to do a lot of change mm -hmm. from right back at the beginning. Yeah. And it's that thing of, I am important. And there's another lovely phrase that, um, so Karen Arthur, who runs Menopause Whilst Black, um, a support community she and I were chatting because she said she did this when she was feeling quite low in perimenopause she did a thing called wear you're happy which was to just pick out clothing that lifted your mood whether it was appropriate for the occasion or not so she just picked out I mean she's got fabulous um, eye for what she wears but it was just pick something out whether it's a ball gown to go and do the food shop whatever just pick something out that will give you that and dopamine's back in there again let's find less harmful ways of supporting dopamine mm. and as I said to her I I feel really uncomfortable being photographed um and it just feels a bit showy offy and she said no the whole thing of menopause is moving towards I am here I am enough and I love that phrase mm -hmm. It's little, but it says such a lot. Yeah. I think what I've realised from this podcast with you is it's the little things and recognising mm. the little things as well is, you know, not making... Because realistically, you're not going to wake up one day and 
like everything be on top of you I feel Mm. like it's little increments and and then you Mm. start to notice them over time and they become unbearable so it's in the in the same respect of that is you know you don't have to then suddenly change your life in order to navigate it you know take Mm. it one step at a time like you say be kind to yourself and do what feels comfortable for you because I think this is it sounds very similar to eating sort of recovery as well as like when you put yourself under loads of pressure to do the big things it often doesn't work because then no. it's just so overwhelming that you just stop doing it anyway hmm. um so and this absolutely. is a, again I think with that as well and they, they do there's there's similar trains again so if one day doesn't go so well it doesn't mean the whole thing has yeah. failed yeah so I did a post a while ago I loathe exercise I always have um, but I know I need to do some strength exercise now. So I did a post about I was just going to try and do 20 minutes three times a week of mm-hmm. strength. So the, the cardiovascular is fine. We've got a dog that needs walking. That's yeah. all sort of sorted out. And I was all very, I had good intention. The middle aisle of Aldi had some weights. I thought, excellent, this is a sign. Um, and a friend, I spoke to a friend the other day and she said, how's it going with the weights? I said, oh, I could, I could blatantly lie and say fantastic. Um, but the last few weeks, there's been a few bits of bobs going on and they've completely fallen off the wayside. So it's that thing of, right, okay, that went and now it needs to come back again because I know if I repeat it enough, it won't be that big thing in my head. It will just be second nature. Yeah. And that's the thing, again, with the littles. It's sort mm-hmm. of, right, okay. So I've taken myself for a walk in green space at lunchtime. Could I do this again? And could I do this again? And could I look at how I'm feeling when I come back? Am I feeling calmer? Am I feeling more alert for the afternoon? Um, Can I repeat that? And then it will come to the point where you actually miss it if it's not that we're we're very driven by habit, aren't we? And and behavior change is is hard. but it does, again, if you put it in there often enough, it becomes second nature. And then you can add another little in and note that down in your book. Yeah. And I think things like, I mean, my one of my trainees years ago tried to get me to do a gratitude journal and she just got a look. So if you think I'm ever doing any nonsense like that. <laughs> but again, it's that sort of thing. There is evidence for it. So what we're trying to do is a lot of these things, we're trying to stabilize these dopamine pathways with less harmful replacements and they're normally quieter replacements so they take a while they don't get quite the hit to begin with but we're just trying to so things like the as I say the yoga and the cold water and swimming and things like that are really just trying to achieve some sort of leveling Mm -hmm. and I think that applies to both things that we've been talking about yeah yeah and I found as well like in my own recovery when I do something and I only do it like a little bit like you know I'll add 10 grams of something Mm. for me that feels very bearable in that moment but Mm. it's quite small in that it's not absolutely noticeable therefore it just becomes normal and then it's Mm. easier to increase that and I guess that's like the you know you just take 30 seconds to write one thing down it's mm. difficult when it's something that you've never done before, for sure. Um, but if you can start to integrate that, then, okay, well, I'm doing one thing and that takes 30, 30 seconds. So now I'm going to feel okay to do two things and that takes a minute. Yeah. And then, like you say, it becomes something that's just just a natural routine. And you might even get to a point where you don't then feel like you need to write it down and just thinking about you it. Can add a, yeah, you can add a new one then, can't you? And just yeah. keep it growing and keep it growing. And I think it's... Again, with as I say, with the with some people where I've suggested one thing because they they normally I would ask them to come up with something that they could do nice for them, um, and some people just can't. And even suggesting one thing, you can tell it feels overwhelming, and it's sort of right, okay, just even just sit with this for a while. Where's that come from? Mm-hmm. Where has that kindness and care been lacking? And again, very often it's it goes all the way back to childhood again. And it's right, okay, is this the time to go and start with, I would say, with someone who's skilled, having a little look at that yeah. and yeah, reprocessing absolutely. it with an adult brain rather than mm-hmm. a child brain. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, it sort of comes back to there's many analogies that um, 
psychologists use. So with things, and again, with overwhelm, it can feel like the sort of someone's taken a jigsaw piece and thrown all the puzzles pieces in the air, jigsaw puzzle, and you can't see mm-hmm. where to start. And it's the same thing again, isn't it? If you take just the corner pieces or the edge piece and you'll start to join things together and you'll start to see the full picture emerge and it's not overwhelming you it's not swamping you you're there's a distance from it mm-hmm. and I think a lot of these themes sort of resonate through both of, of trying to take that overwhelm and make it manageable and put it on the table in front of you yeah and see the bigger picture and the mm. sort of you know overall journey rather than like this this is what's happening right now and this is what needs to happen in mm. the future um yeah thank you so much Zoe I feel like this has been so helpful and I really do hope that people listening um I feel like both eating disorders and menopause can be a very lonely place so I hope mm-hmm. that people have found um some comfort in that I guess just to finish um do you have any suggestions or recommendations if this is resonating with people of maybe next steps for them or resources that they can go to 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 get some more support so I think they I love my books um the books that I recommend over and over again there's one by Dr Hannah Short that's actually titled the complete is Dr Hannah Short and Mandy Leonhart um it's called the complete guide to early menopause and POI but I think that's a really good evidence-based overall menopause book lots of chat about hrt but lots of lifestyle mm-hmm. um suggestions as well and uh, there's a book by so there's a nutritional therapist called karen newby and i like her book because it talks a lot about cortisol and you actually understand how the foods influence the hormone pathways and i always like to know why i'm doing something so that's called the natural menopause method and then there's a book um that talks about the psychological transition called second spring by kate codrington and I really like that as well. So they're probably my three go-tos mm-hmm. for most people I see, because I think that gives you a lovely overview and a guide. I always sort of say, if we were starting on any other journey, we'd want, you know, you'd you'd um, you'd want your your tour guide, <laughs> you'd want some <laughs> kit, and we just launch into this. So I think that even if you're again what we'd really like is people way before their sort of perimenopause I think that's a really good overview of what could be approaching Mm -hmm. yeah I think the the main thing again is just keeping an eye on each other yeah definitely looking out for each other guess checking in on your friends family Mm. you know whoever that might be um Mm. but yeah thank you so much it's honestly been such a pleasure to chat to you um after all the IT technical difficulties we got there in the end um yeah thank you very much okay will you take care bye 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 if you enjoyed listening today you won't want to miss next week's episode so be sure to subscribe eating disorders are crippling illnesses but with the right support they can be recovered from we really hope you enjoyed this episode but if you require more support right now please look into charities such as first steps and beat for support or talk to someone you trust